So does your career energize you with life or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. You know, if ever there was a masterclass in how to read one's career and in how to course correct when said career goes spiritually off the rails, this week's conversation with my fantastically open-hearted guest, Melissa Palazzo, would be it. Suffice it to say that when she was a young girl, Melissa had aspirations of becoming an actress. But somehow, not unlike what happens to so many of us, found herself enrolled at a university in pursuit of a path that was not just entirely different, but at the polar opposite end of the spectrum. For Melissa, it was accounting of all things. As she explains, she was more determined not to fail and not to become homeless than she was to follow her heart. And what I love, love, love is that there gets to be a moment on her path when her heart just can't take it anymore and when she's finally able to deliver some choice words to herself. Sister, we got to get our act together. This is your life. And with that, please allow me to introduce you to Melissa Palazzo. Well, firstly, thank you for agreeing to do this. Sure. I'm excited. Melissa, so first question for you. Do you ever think about the concept of purpose or mission or even what it is I'm meant to be doing here on this planet? Every day of my life. And I have thought about it ever since I was 10 years old. I would go around asking people, why are you here? What's your purpose? And um, some people would say, uh, I'm buying a coffee. You know, if I was at Dunkin' Donuts, that's why I'm here. And I would say, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Why are you here on this planet? Yeah. (laughs) They would look at me kind of strangely like, why are you asking me that question? Right. And I was just fascinated by it. And a couple of years ago, I decided to make a little book, and it was 365 Reasons, I called it, Reasons for Living. And I went around and I asked everybody I knew what their reason for living was, you know, including like my mom. And I asked my mom, and, you know, she had answers and cousins. So, yes, the answer is I think about it all the time. And for myself, it's changed over the years. Yep. I recently thought about it, and it's become much more general. You know, simply my purpose is to be and bring joy wherever I am. When did you figure that out? Well, um, I tried to make it more complicated than it was. Um, I I tried to make it uh, much more detailed and long. And, you know, as I've gone through a lot of different things in life, you know, I thought about what really is most important to me, what what brings me the most joy, because I really feel like that's why we are here, to have joy. And so I thought, well, can it really be that simple? Can I just be and bring joy wherever I am? And I thought, well, why not? Right. So that's how I sort of came up with that. 
And how do you go about doing that? Well, I think it's different. Every situation is different. I, um, I just came out of a meeting, and it was an interview. And um, I was interviewing someone for a potential position. And, you know, I sensed that the person was nervous, and I wanted to help them feel comfortable, you know? Um, yep. So I asked them questions that I thought might help them feel comfortable about their family, about things that they do outside of the office, and I could tell that the person was feeling more comfortable. And then, you know, we proceeded with the official interview, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, by the end of the conversation and the interview, we hugged each other, you know? Um, so right. it was a very, it was a beautiful experience, and it was, it was just an interview. So for me, I like to connect with people authentically, no matter what kind of a meeting we're in. And I think that is one of the things that I have the greatest gift in doing is really having that understanding and empathy for another and learning how to bring joy. And Melissa, joy is this kind of interesting topic. A lot of people, I feel, are good at saying the word, but aren't necessarily good at executing it. Yeah. What's your knowledge base that you're drawing from to execute against that? Yeah. I would say uh, when I graduated from college, I was miserable. Uh-huh. And um, I thought what would make me happy was a fancy job at a fancy place with a fancy title that made a lot of money. Yep. So I did that. And then I realized that my soul was dying. Yep. And I quit that job. And I asked myself, what, what is it that I really want to do? And I did that. And it was a very low-paying job. I was acting and, you know, doing improv. Yep. You know, I want to say on the streets of New York, but that's kind of true. Uh-huh. And um, I thought to myself, how can I really integrate what I love to do and also make money doing it? Yeah. And um, I had gone to school for business, and my heart and passion has always been in all things creative. And at that point, I started working for a filmmaker, and I just started helping him, like, on the side with his business. And that really was my start into merging my two worlds, my very my skilled business side and also my passion of creativity. And, you know, I think I learned it the hard way, to be honest with you. You know, yeah. I think I've tried so many things to make me happy, and they didn't, they didn't do it. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't matter what kind of a job I had or what kind of an office I had or you know, any type of property, prestige, or power, that just didn't do it for me. You know, what I love is connecting with people. You know, that's what I love. And that brings me such joy. So I I actually went to graduate school for spiritual psychology Uh at a place called the University of Santa Monica. It was a two-year graduate program that I did while I was working here at Ant Farm on the weekends. And it was a deep dive into the purpose of our lives. And what I got out of that was joy. Can you tell the listeners, what is it that you do today? I run an agency called Ant Farm, which is a creative agency uh, in Los Angeles. We specialize in entertainment advertising and content creation. And uh, because we have a rich heritage in entertainment and movies, we really have an expertise in creating content that really connects with the audience and really help to move our clients' brands. Let me ask this question from another angle. Are you today in your career where you thought you would be when you were younger? No. 
I'm not for so many reasons. Um, I never thought I would be able to do a job that I love. I thought work had to be hard. Yep. And I'm not saying that my job isn't hard. It's very hard and it's very important. And, you know, I'm responsible for a lot of people, so I don't take that lightly. Yep. And it can still be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I didn't think that was possible when I was younger. When I was a little kid, um, I loved movies. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a huge movie fan. It was just sort of like an extracurricular thing we did. Yeah. And if someone were to tell me when I was 10 years old, hanging out with my dad, watching movies, that I could one day be running um, the premier advertising agencies in the movie business, I would have thought they were insane. And yet, that's what I'm doing today. Along those lines, when was the earliest you had an idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Or what were you thinking when you were watching those movies? Did you have an idea of what, what it is you wanted to do? I honestly didn't think it was possible to do what I wanted to do. I didn't think it was possible. I, I, I grew up learning you work really hard, you have to earn a living, and your joy is outside of your job. It's separate. Uh-huh. You work really hard, you make money, and then you have fun. So I didn't, I didn't realize that until I went to graduate school in spiritual psychology, which was about eight or nine years ago, that it's actually possible to do what you love, to be of service, and to have a really great job. So I'm going to press you here for a second, but did you it. did you have any ideas early on in life of what you were going to be when you grew up? Well, what I wanted to be was an actress. Okay. And what I went to school for was accounting. Now, okay. you really can't get any different than that. <laughs> Love that. It was liter- I literally did the opposite of my heart's desires. And the reason uh-huh. I did that was out of fear. Yeah. I was in fear that I had to earn a living. I came from a family of very, very, very low income. Yep. And we didn't have, I mean, one story that I always tell is when I was in elementary school, you know, all my friends had Cabbage Patch Kids. Yep. And we did not have enough money for me to get a Cabbage Patch Kid. And that was something that really stuck with me. And I thought, God, I've got to make money so I can get that, whatever that thing is. So I made my decision based on fear and not my heart. Yeah. And through the years, Um, I have learned to much more follow my heart or more accurately give my heart just as much voting power as my head. So let me uh, build on that for a second. On a scale of zero to 10, where zero is a total non-issue and 10 is a big, dark, gloomy shadow, how large a shadow would you say that financial considerations have had over your path to date? 10. All the way through. Yeah, I would say up until about eight years ago, they were the driver of my decisions. Yeah. And again, it wasn't necessarily the financial as much as the fear yeah. of not being able to, um, you know, I, I always have a fear of being homeless. I mean, yes. it's, it's a very, I mean, it makes no sense at all. It's illogical. And yet I can go there very quickly. Can I also ask, what is it that your parents did or do? Yeah, my mom was a homemaker. And my dad was a financial analyst. Mm-hmm. He passed away about 14 years ago, but he was a financial analyst. What impact would you say they had throughout the years on your career and decision-making process? Um, seeing my mom as a homemaker to me did not look good. 
as uh-huh. a kid. You know, she didn't have control over the finances or, you know, purchasing power, if you will. Yep. And as a young kid, I thought, God, I, I, I don't think that's going to work for me. You know, I really need to be able to make a living so that if I want to buy my kids a new pair of sneakers, I can do that, you know? Um, so that really impacted me. I really yep. wanted to have independence, and I wanted to be able to provide for myself and the people that I love. Yep. And, you know, my mom is a loving, loving woman, but, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't her role. The other thing was um, I learned young by watching the people around me and my family who were successful, how they acted. I had an uncle that was very successful and, you know, he was very into school. It was very important to him. So I learned that if I'm going to be successful, I have to do really well in school. So I made that my priority. I want to go back for a second. At an early age, you want to be a movie star. More of a Broadway actress. Act- okay, Broadway actress. <laughs> Love it. What, what happens... Um, what happens to that idea during your childhood? At what point do you sort of say absolutely no to this idea? Yeah, um, I took acting classes for many years. Um, I got accepted into the High School of Performing Arts, but I did not go. Uh Um, And the reason I did not go was because we lived in Queens, New York at the time, and commuting to the city was very scary for me. So I... um, did not listen to my heart. I listened to my head and thought, you know what, I'll just go to a, a regular high school. And the high school that I went to, actually, they had a special, which makes, I mean, in a high school, they had a specialty uh, of law, like pre-undergraduate law, which was just so silly at the time, but I thought it, sound, it sounded like a good idea. And right. I just sort of got on this path where, like, okay, school, law, business, oh, this is how you move up in the world. This is what you do. And I just got on that train and I didn't get off until yeah. I, you know, worked at that uh, management consulting firm for three years. I was a CPA. I mean, God bless me, working like 90 hours a week doing things that I hated um, until my soul just was like, sister, we got to get our act together here. This is your life. Right. And I was sitting with my mom in Grand Central Station, and um, I had just gotten my review, which was amazing. You know, it was like number one in the whole group, and she was so proud, and I just knew that I had to, I had to leave. Yeah. And no one understood. They're like, well, why are you, you're, you're, you're doing so well, your, your life is going so well, and, you know, the outside looked really good, but yep. my heart was hurting on the inside, and I knew I had to make a change. What do you make of uh, your ability to do so well on a path where you have no heart for it? Wow, that's an amazing question. <laughs> amazing how well I would do it something I actually like. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, my goodness, that's funny. Um <laughs> Sheer determination. Yeah. Determination. You know, I, um, I was determined not necessarily to succeed, but not to fail. Uh-huh. That's really what it was. I wasn't going to fail. So whatever it took, I was going to do it. And I did. 
You know, and I'm proud of that younger woman who did that because she felt she had to. Right. So looking back at that, those years, are there any sort of moments or clues that you look at that you feel like, oh God, I should have jumped out earlier or I should have, you know, what the hell was I doing? Or I'm trying to figure out, is there something that a listener can take away to sort of help them know that they're not, there's, there's warning signals. Maybe that's a better way to ask. Yeah. I think that, um, it's totally normal to have a bad day. Yep. It's totally normal to have a bad week, but you know, when my, um, going back to my first job, when my health started, uh, not doing so well, when I started putting on a lot of weight, because, you know, I was just eating a lot because I was so miserable yep. and uh, I wasn't making time for the things I love. I think, you know, when I start to feel bad in a, on, a, on a regular basis, it's time to take a look, you yep. know, and, and that can happen anywhere at any time, you know, because things change all the time. So for me, I would say, you know, bad days are normal, but, you know, bad years are not. Right. So today in your job, when you're kind of thinking about this period and you're looking back at that period, there was just more consistently bad happening. Yeah. And I think, you know, the sad part about it is I didn't even realize I had a choice. Uh huh. You know, I thought like, this is just the way it is. You just hate your job and you just work. That's what everybody does. And I think that a lot of people still believe that. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of the times when I hear people say that, I'm like, oh, gosh, that's so sad. It actually yeah. does not have to be that way. It doesn't mean that I don't work hard because I do. It doesn't mean that um, I don't try hard because I do. It just means that there's a level of joy within through that. Let me jump around for a second. On yeah. thinking back throughout your career and your friends, family, and colleagues throughout the years, is there a consistent thread in the type of counsel that they have sought from you? I think the one constant is um, people will ask me how to ask for what they need, meaning um, I, I feel that, you know, everyone's different. You know, we all have our different love languages, if you will. Yep. And, you know, some people don't respond as well um, as others to different ways of communication. And just yesterday... I had someone that I was talking to struggling with someone that worked for him. And I said, well, tell me what happened. And he told me what happened. And my face was sort of like, oh, no, you didn't say it that way, did you? And he okay. said, what, what? I said, oh, gosh, you can't speak that way to that person because they're going to take that as you're really being condescending to them. Right. And they were sort of really surprised by that because he said, I was just being direct. Now, direct to one person is insulting to another. And what's motivating for one person is demotivating for another. So I feel like that's one of the things I love is getting to know people and learning to see what makes them tick, what makes them excited, what makes them want to grow. And I think that's what people come to me for a lot, learning how to motivate people, learning how to get things that they need, and learning how to understand people. Where would you say that particular talent comes from? You know, uh, if I'm really honest about it, and I think I will be, um, <laughs> I grew up <laughs> in a family where there was um, alcohol abuse. Uh -huh. And growing up in a family like that, I learned to take the temperature of the room all the time. Yeah. And I got really good at it. 
you know, is this person upset today? Are they happy today? Um, maybe if I do this, that'll make them happy. And, you know, that was a survival skill back then. Yep. And, um, you know, I've learned not to take the temperature of the room in my personal relationships. That's not useful anymore. But there's a, for, every, for every challenge, I feel there's something good that comes out of it. So out of that situation came this really innate, great ability to take the temperature of the room and to yes. sense what another person is feeling and to really have empathy for another. And how dominant of a practice is that for you today? I do it all the time because I'm always talking to people. I'm yep. always um, with people, whether I'm pitching new business or I'm talking to people that I work with or um, clients. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to always put myself in their shoes. Um, I always want them to feel understood and heard. Um, and if they are understood and heard, I can do my job better. I can give them the creative that they want. I can motivate staff to be who they want to be. Yep. And that's really important for me to understand where someone else is coming from. I want to jump back for a second. When you are in this, uh, you know, you're going down this path uh, where you don't have a lot of heart for it, you get to the point of realization. What happens at that point of realization? How does the how does the change process begin internally? I think um, for me, the change process. The first thing is I'm aware of it, right? Yep. So that's the first thing, and then I have to come to acceptance of where I'm at. Yep. And then once I'm in acceptance of where I'm at, then I can take the action. You know, there have been times where I'll go right from awareness to action, which yes. is which is more of a reaction, and it's and it's too quick. You know, I've learned um, in career stuff that I have to first become aware of what it is, and then I have to take some time, which for me is that acceptance phase, and then I can take the action. And the action is something that I have given pause to, I've yeah. thought about, I've done my research, I make sure that it feels integrated, that it feels good for me, and it's not a jump to a reaction. Yep. Talk a little bit more for a second about the acceptance phase. What, what, what happens at that point? Well, you know, for me, like going back to that one situation where I was at the management consulting firm, you know, I had to accept that I made a decision based on my brain, based on fear, based on the information that I had at the time. And I made the best decision at the time that I made. Yep. So it's not about beating myself up. It's not about saying, oh, I should have done this or that. It's really about saying, well, you know what? You made the best decision you could at the time, and now you have more information, so you get to choose differently. You know, every choice has a consequence, and the choice I made produced the consequence of, you know, giving me some property, prestige, and power, and that was not the choice that felt good for me, so I got to choose differently. And the transition to this uh, new life, where did the idea come for it? Well, the idea was, you know, as I was acting and doing things, I needed to earn a living. You know, yep. I wasn't really making any money. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start looking for a part-time job. And one of the part-time jobs I saw in the New York Times was this filmmaker who was looking for someone to help with their business. And I thought, yep. oh, I could probably do that. And um, I got to see that people actually did jobs that they were liking. And I right. thought, huh, wow, isn't that cool? So there are all of these jobs. And, you know, I got to meet people in, you know, the film business that had 
had really been doing things that they loved and they felt passionate about. And this particular filmmaker was a documentary filmmaker. So on top of doing the creative thing, he was also doing films about things he was passionate about. I was very, very blessed to work for him and yep. to learn from him. And, it, you know, it did happen sort of, I don't want to say, you know, naturally, but, you know, it, you know some, sometimes we have to take that first step Yep. And then sort of see what occurs and what appears. And, you know, what appeared was pretty awesome. Looking back now, what has been the biggest aggravation of your professional journey? My perfectionism has been the biggest aggravation of my professional journey, which is completely mine. And what I mean by that is I had this belief that um, everything I did had to be perfect. So whether that was... Um, a new business presentation or a resume or copy or anything that I did it had to be perfect and what that did was that really put me into a procrastination mode and you know what it could still happen today sometimes you know because it, I want to do such a great job so I procrastinate and once I'm in that procrastination thinking about how it has to be perfect I can't even take any action so then I become paralyzed so what I've learn to do, and I think Steve Jobs actually says this, you know, good is the enemy of great. Yep. You know, it's we have to take the action, do the work, and then, you know, get feedback. Yep. It doesn't have to be perfect. And, you know, the truth is some of the decisions that I've made, like thinking about all the different things that could happen or don't happen, that's not a creative decision at all. Whereas when I go with just my gut or that idea that just pops into my head and I say, hey, what about this? What do you guys think about this? And um, true story, uh, I was at the chiropractor getting adjusted and we were working on a, a very big new business presentation. I thought of this idea for this client and it was a crazy idea. It was crazy. Uh -huh. I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw it out there. And I did. And this crazy idea um, went all the way to the top of the client, and they almost made it a Super Bowl spot. It didn't happen. But you know what? It got close enough for me to say, oh, wow. You know what? Yeah, you can throw out any idea. Right. It's okay. Yeah. It was really, really fun. Good. A couple more questions here before we wrap up. Are there any career decisions that you would today – uh, looking back, choose to undo or somehow redo? Yes. If I were to go back, having all the information I have today, that's part of the question, right? Yes. I'm allowed to have all the info? You are yes. allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I would have probably went to the high school performing arts. Yeah. As opposed to going to that other high school. And, you know, who knows what would have happened from there. But here's the truth. If I didn't have all those experiences that I had, I wouldn't be where I am today. I don't know if I would be married to my husband that I have today or right. if I would have the beautiful little girl that I have today. So, you know what? I believe everything happens for a reason, and from every opportunity, there's a learning. I really believe that. Great. And then on the flip side, what would you consider to be the highlight of your career to date? Hmm. I never thought about that before. Um, there was a very large talent agency in Hollywood. Yep. And when I was about eight months pregnant, we went to meet with them for, to do some work. And I was very, very pregnant at the time. And um, this talent agency, I brought two of uh, our team with us. And we walked into the lobby, walked up the stairs, and we're in this ginormous conference room. 
with amazing views. And I knew that the most famous people in the world had been in this conference room. As famous, I don't mean like politicians, I mean entertainers. Yes. And I got a little emotional inside because I said, if you would have told me when I was 10 years old that I would be in the same place that these other people were, I would never have believed you. I'm just a girl from Queens. What am I doing in this room? Right. And uh, it just felt good to let myself be who I am, you know, mask off, just the real me, eight months pregnant, messy, in this amazing opportunity. Fantastic. And Melissa, last question here. Knowing what you know today, how would you advise your younger self? Yeah. Um, my younger self, I'd love to advise, and also anybody out there that is listening because I want them to learn from, I don't want to say my mistakes, but the things that I've learned from. I think the first thing I've learned that I would say to my younger self is give your heart as equal a voice as your head. It is so important. Yep. And the next thing I would say is it's really okay not to know an answer. I really thought I needed to have all the answers, and what I've learned is that some of the most intelligent, successful people are really comfortable saying, I don't know. And I've learned to say, I don't know. And there's a really beautiful um, thing about just admitting that we don't know. Because the truth is, not anybody knows everything. And I thought I had to. And lastly, I would say that it's really okay to feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, for so long, I waited for the fear to go away before I took an action. And what I've learned over the years is that my reptilian brain will never let me not feel the fear. What I have to do is I have to take the action, feel the fear, and then on the other side of that action, I have found that that is where my courage comes from. You know, that's where my self-esteem comes from. So those would be the three things that I would share with my younger self. Melissa Palazzo. Really, really appreciate you sharing the journey and being so forthcoming about it. It's my pleasure. I really loved it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gert Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating, and especially your review of the show on iTunes would also be hugely helpful and very much appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a great guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com.